1: He works for a, a site that's good with numbers. Five thirty-eight. Chris Herring covers the NBA for them. Uh, joining us right now in the Orion Fuel and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line—they are truly steps beyond convenient. Chris, how many teams, in your view, can win an NBA championship this season? Uh, two, three. I, I guess you had to have at least two, since Cleveland deserves that—you know—that chance after what they did last year. But it's a short list, um, you know, and it's tough. I, I think people are almost looking to make the argument for the Clippers. But, you know, they, they still have some stuff to figure out. Um, you know, things can change really quickly in a seven-game series. And I think that, you know, there's no question that they can get to the, the Western Conference Finals maybe. But, um, you know, I, I think the Spurs deserve a spot in that conversation. I would have some problems with them in the playoffs. I think, you know, I think they have too many slow-footed um, rim protectors on that team. But uh, but the Clippers, you know, it's just – is solid as they're going to be record wise this year it just seems like they'd have a real real tough time against a team like the Warriors
0: you know we were talking a little bit earlier about what Golden State is doing right now and how some people are kind of bored watching them did did, did, did people get bored watching the big three Miami Heat after the first championship during the regular season or or is this a problem quote-unquote problem exclusive to Golden State this year um, you know, I don't I – don't,
1: I don't, maybe this is just me as someone who's not vested in who wins and loses much. It's hard for me to see them as, as being bored by it. I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating to me. I think the difference is, like you said, the, the, the Warriors, this is a new iteration of this team. And so, yes, they've won a championship, but they haven't won a championship with Kevin Durant. And, you know, like I said, they, they didn't win last year's championship. If we want to be really technical, they, they obviously should have. They had chances to do it. Um, but I mean it's we're we're probably gonna see some stuff we've never seen before. I mean, the fact that Kevin Durant is a wing player and is shooting almost sixty percent from the field a quarter of the way through the season. I mean, you know, yes, Russell Westbrook deserves all the attention he's getting for averaging a triple double. It's incredible that we've got guys that are averaging thirty points a game for losing teams. Um, but I mean that's that stat with what Durant is shooting so far in his first 20 games with a team that he's never played with before. It's pretty incredible in its own right. And um, so people that are bored by this, I mean, I, I understand, um, you know, the idea of kind of not having as much interest in it because they're winning by so much. But, I mean, we, we also saw this team win 73 games last year and then lose in the finals. So, I mean, it, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win anything, um, you know, how dominant they look right now. But, I don't get how people are, are bored by watching really, really great basketball. And, you know, the same sort of thing. Miami was really entertaining to me to watch, but that's some as someone who wasn't vested in the outcome, I just wanted to see good basketball.
0: As far as the East goes, is there anything, you know, is there, any, is there going to be any drama about who's getting into the finals this year from the East? Is it just a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Cleveland? I mean, does Boston, does Toronto, do any of these team, teams really have a chance?
1: I mean, if we want to talk about boring, I would probably lean more on that side (laughs) and think that that's boring. Honestly, I mean, LeBron has made it such an automatic thing. I think it's six straight years now that he's been to the finals. And I I just don't see anyone challenging them. You know, I looked at the standings and was was trying to, you know, look at which team I should try to do an in-depth takeout on next, just kind of based on the standings and who was playing better as of late. And you can look at the standings all you want and see that, Cleveland's up by a game, a game and a half on Toronto or whatever. But, I mean, it's just, it, does it matter? I mean, Toronto was, was close at times last year. It, it kind of, um, you know, the, the one spot in the East. And, you know, Boston at times looks like they're ready to make that step and compete in Atlanta. And, you know, the, the Bulls, since LeBron has really just become this dominant force, we've seen three or four different teams kind of challenge um, Miami or Cleveland. And there's, obviously the Bulls were there for years. Um, you know, through those injuries. And you've had Atlanta with the 61 season. You've had Toronto. Like I said, the Celtics at times look like they're ready to make that leap. And I think maybe we we might have been a little bit wrong on that after the Al Horford signing. But, I mean, in the end, does it really matter? Um, Unless LeBron gets hurt, I'm not sure that anything is going to be enough. I mean, you've had Kyrie Irving injuries. You've had Kevin Love injuries in the playoffs. And I'm just starting to think now that none of it may matter unless LeBron really, really just – kind of hits a, a real downswing of his career or if LeBron is hurt. So, so you're that, counting out the Heat. That's actually what bores me when we talk about the East. Is, you know, it's not, it's not the Warriors. It's not the Clippers and not looking like they're ready to contend over there. It's, it's the East and
0: the fact that it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Chris, so you're counting out the Heat completely.
1: <laughs> um, unless LeBron secretly, you know, decides that unless my uh, Cleveland feels bad for Miami and decides to trade him over there, Listen, yeah, them out.
0: Some, I've seen some wild trades, man. Just don't count it out completely. All right, we got Goran and Hassan. They might be on the trading block. Who knows what can happen? Oh boy. <laughs> Talking to Chris Herring
1: here from five thirty-eight. Um, try to put the, if you can, that what Westbrook is doing in some
0: perspective.
1: I mean, it's incredible. Um you know, I'm sure there's not much I can say that hasn't already been out there. I mean, when you look at the fact that we, we did a piece on him not too long ago, he's playing something like nine fewer minutes than Oscar Robertson did the last time he accomplished this feat. Um, you know, obviously the pace is way, way different where these teams were, you know, upwards of 120, 130 possessions a night. Um, and, you know, we're talking about maybe 100 for teams that are playing at a fast clip this this year. Um And also the fact that, you know, we watch the way he plays. It's not like he's, um, you know, a spot-up shooter that is putting up these numbers and also rebounding and also assisting. I mean, he's doing kind of everything for his team, and he plays at a breakneck pace every moment of the game, at least on the offensive side. And so, you know, what's interesting for him, um, you know, having a conversation with someone, and they were just questioning, can he get enough rebounds to do this? You know, he's a point guard, and so as a guy that's controlling the offense, he can absolutely do you know, the points and and the assists because he kind of can call his own number with those things, but the rebounding, but he's kind of such an alpha player, you know, that if he's going up with one of his own teammates for a rebound, you know, Russell, whether he'll push someone out of the way, I don't know, but guys will defer to him. Uh, And he has that kind of stature within the team, especially now that Durant's not there. Um, The the thing that I'm curious about, and again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about all these guys that are playing for losing teams essentially and, and, you know, having great seasons. Um, I just wonder if even if he's doing this, if it still only results in like a six or a seven seed in that conference, and, and it might be sustainable, but whether it makes a, a real difference in the grand scheme of things, and that's kind of, kind of what is unfortunate. I would almost rather see Russell not have to do this and, and just have seen that Oklahoma City team stay together because they looked like one of the few teams that really could have pushed Golden State um, when they were healthy. You know, they obviously pushed them to the brink last year, and, um, you know, it, it, I, it's just, to me, I'm, I'm not necessarily old school. I just turned 30. But, you know, seeing Russell Westbrook do this and then have a 60% usage rate in clutch situations is just, you know, they've actually won 10 out of their 15 games in clutch situations in close games the last five minutes. But I don't know that that's sustainable, that they can continue to win when the ball is only in his hands in the last moment of games, not having a Durant there to pass the ball to. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. But he absolutely can do it, and it looks. I would venture to guess he will do it if he stays on me.
0: Chris, uh, take off your, your journalist hat for a second. Just put on your NBA fan hat. Between LeBron James and Phil Jackson, we've seen a lot of stuff, heard a lot of stuff recently. LeBron flipping the water bottle. LeBron saying he won't stay at the Trump Hotel. The posse comment by Phil. The ball hog thing with Mello. Are you sick of hearing non-basketball stuff from either of them? Um, Always. I mean, I'm always kind of, I always think it's kind of a
1: distraction from what's actually happening on the court up until yesterday. I was more interested in the idea that, you know, that the Cavs were struggling, you know, that obviously that they um, are still the best team in the East. I don't think that changes anything, but that they were playing poorly and that the Knicks were playing well. And I was trying to see how much of this was actually real going into that game. I thought that mattered more than the, the kind of the side conversation Um, I do think some of it is relevant. You know, I I do think it's interesting that LeBron's continued to kind of have opinions on social matters and, you know, and in terms of where, you know, was Phil's comment inbounds, out of bounds and and why, and was LeBron right to call it out? And I, you know, I definitely have an opinion on that myself. And and as a fan, I think I would have even had an opinion on that myself. So, um, so I mean, how much of it matters, how much of it is just peripheral noise is, is up for debate, but Um, You know, I I think you're going to have these sorts of conversations when we're kind of at a point in the season where there's the Warriors dominance, there's Russell Westbrook's triple-double, and then there's kind of like everything else. And and so I think you're going to have stuff kind of enter the fray from time to time as we we come out of the election. And I I also think as we're in a particularly sensitive time now in terms of social matters and social justice, that things like Phil's comments, you know, whether people thought they were innocuous or whether they thought they were offensive – are going to come up, and I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing that those things come up in conversation.
0: And along those lines, very quickly, are you surprised that there hasn't been any national anthem, I guess, stuff for for lack of a better term, either from national anthem singers or or NBA players or or any? It, it's been a non-story pretty much this season, hasn't it? A little. I mean, I I think that there, there was an incident in Philly where the right. the one woman I can't remember what exactly
1: her shirt said, but basically something along the lines of, you know, essentially saying that um, I think she yeah. had a shirt that said Black Lives Matter or something like that, that yeah. they they ended up not letting her sing the anthem. And right. so, um, aside, from, I think that might have been preseason, too, so it was very, yeah. very early and, and on. And the
0: singer here uh, on, on one knee. But, oh, uh, that's he, right. Yeah but, it, but that. it, yeah, but regular season, I mean, it's, are, does it surprise you that it hasn't been an issue during the regular season, or what do you think? Not, not entirely. I mean, I, I think teams tried to, and,
1: and the thing is, like, You know, sometimes something that's organic is better. I mean, so Colin Kaepernick did this. It it obviously got a lot of attention. Um, But the the truth is, you know, you had players that had made some of these issues, vocalized some of these issues before anyway. Carmelo Anthony obviously did that during the ESPYs, along with Dwayne Wade and LeBron, Chris Paul. But honestly, you know, when you had players trying to do something, and kind of gin up something, I think a lot of them end up locking arms for the national anthem during the preseason, which doesn't, Mm -hmm it's not really sending the same message to me. And actually, I actually think from the way it looks, it almost sounds like it sends more of like an all lives matter sort of thing. We're all in this together. And that that's, I mean, that's really not a a controversial stance. And um, so if you're not going to do the exact same thing, and I think some players kind of hinted at the fact that they'd been warned, not necessarily told that they couldn't do it, but kind of been talked to in advance and said like, you know, the, the league would kind of frown on this. And so it has been interesting to not see anything be done, but, The things that were trying to be done at one point just didn't really seem productive to the larger conversation or like they really added anything aside from what was happening in the NFL. So I'm a little surprised, but not completely. Chris, appreciate the time. Chris Herring from 538. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.